Okay, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Best in Tech 2012 Accessible Smartphone Workshop. I thank you all for coming. I always enjoy uh, the opportunity to talk about gadgets and these fun things with all of you. So um, just to kind of get an idea, okay, I want to kind of get a feel for uh, the makeup of my audience here. Uh, who here does not have an iPhone or any kind of smartphone? All right, so we've got a few of you here. Uh, how many of you have iPhones? Speak up. <laughs> Represent. <laughs> okay. Um, how many of you uh, got the new iPhone 5? So some of you are kind of wondering. Are you kind of on the fence? Um, of those of you that are wondering, how many have four S's? I do. All right. So I bet a lot of you are probably wondering, do I need to think about upgrading to the iPhone 5? So... One of the things I'm going to go over right off the bat are um, a list that I've made of some of the things that, that the iPhone 5 has that makes it a little different than the 4S. And ultimately, it's um, up to you guys to decide. Me, personally, I have the 4S, and I'm very happy with it. So um, unless I win one today in a raffle that we're having. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> I think that one's spoken for many times over. Uh, I'll probably be sticking with my uh, 4S for now because it seems to handle my needs. But um, So I'll go over some of these things that, that differentiate the, uh, the 5 from the 4S. Number one, uh, well, first of all, have any of you seen the iPhone 5, the ones that are thinking of getting it? Yes. Okay. Well, one thing that you'll notice, uh, by the way, you can always go to the Apple Store, and they're really nice about letting you go in there and play with stuff. And most of them actually know what voiceover is, which is really nice. So I always recommend that uh, if you're going to look at an iPhone or think about buying one, go to the Apple Store, not the phone company store. Um, you don't get it any less at the phone company store. You don't get any better deals. Uh, and they... they can process your account with any of the carriers that, that uh, you currently have your iPhone with. So it's always better to go to the Apple Store. So the first thing you would notice when you pick up an iPhone 5 is that it's a lot lighter than the 4S. Even though it's technically longer, it's lighter. Um, and it's kind of interesting because the, the back of it is made of metal too, but it's still lighter. Uh, one of the big things that you get with the iPhone 5, of course, is a faster processor and more RAM than what you've got in the 4S, which uh, comes in handy when you're loading uh, big pages or uh, running you know, processor-intensive applications. There's also improved battery life. Uh, they put a bigger battery in the device, and yet it's lighter, but they seem to get better with that every year. So it, it does have improved battery life over the, um, the previous iPhones. The camera on the iPhone 5 is not necessarily much of an improvement. It's still an 8-megapixel camera. It does have newer hardware, which I'm told does better at uh, taking pictures in dark places. But in general, I, I, I don't hear that it's a, a substantial improvement. 
uh, one of the big things that you do get with the iPhone 5 is access to LTE. Now, how many of you don't know what LTE is? LTE is the cell phone networks of the future that are being put out now. Uh, Verizon and AT&T at this moment are currently building out their LTE networks. They facilitate for faster download and upload to the uh, wireless Internet. And as, if, as we go into the future, that's the standard that most of the companies are going for. They're, they're eventually going to be LTE. But I'll be honest with you right now that the LTE deployment is still spotty. And I wouldn't get the phone just for that reason, unless you happen to live and are going to be around areas that have really good LTE coverage. As I mentioned before, the back of the phone is made of aluminum this time instead of glass. I, I think they probably got tired of a lot of broken phones coming back to them and finally realized maybe, we, maybe the glass on the back isn't uh, such a good thing because the glass on the back is not the same as the one on the front. The one on the front was, was a tougher glass. It's gorilla glass. Uh, the back was just regular glass. So I know people uh, who have shattered those things, and I guess Apple probably got tired of replacing them and realized it's time for a change. One of the big changes, too, with the iPhone 5, and this is something to really think about. For those of you who have iPod docks, like alarm clock radios or, or speaker systems that, where you put the phone into it and it stands up and it can play all your uh, iTunes library, the new, the new iPhone 5, Apple went and changed the connector, which means that <laughs> it's not going to be compatible with your old stuff unless you want to buy their little adapter, which, of course, they're happy to sell you for a premium. I think it's around 30 bucks, But that still might prove a little difficult when you have a, 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 a standing dock station. Uh, it might throw off the balance. So that is something to keep in mind. The new connector is a lot smaller. It feels a lot more like a USB-type connector. The cool thing about the new connector is that it doesn't matter which way you put it in. It's right. So no more having to worry about, am I getting this in right? Should I force it in? Should I not? Any way you, you stick it in there, it's the right way. It knows. Uh, an improvement in the audio quality of your phone calls. It's got three microphones in there which improve its ability to do noise cancellation. So that's definitely an improvement over the previous iPhone. Also, the antenna placement is supposed to be a little better as well. And it comes with the new ear pods, yes. which basically is a new glorified pair of earbuds. But if you want ear pods uh, without a new iPhone, you've got to pay 30 bucks for them. So that is a little extra you get with it. And the last... Uh, detail that I can give you, and, and Apple would probably argue that it's probably one of the most important details, it's the newest iPhone. <laughs> so you can say you have the newest one till uh, when they come out with one next year. And given what they just did with the iPad this year, who knows? Normally they come out in uh, September, but who knows? They, they could very well surprise us in the spring with a new iPhone, right? The, uh, the new iPhone, they kept the same pricing structure that they've used all along. Um, when you buy it through a phone carrier... If you buy the six, that comes in three models: 16 gigabyte, 32 gigabyte, and 64 gigabyte. The 16 gigabyte uh, with a new two-year contract on an upgrade or as a new uh, line of service is $199 plus tax. And by the way, that's plus tax on the on the the real price of the phone, which is $650. So be prepared; you're going to pay about $250 and. Well, they just passed some new uh, tax increases here, so it could even be a little more. 
So just be aware of that. That um, that's it. and then the as it goes up in in storage. Uh, level it goes up a hundred bucks, so the thirty two gig is two ninety nine the sixty four gig is three ninety nine and respectively the same thing when you buy if you buy unlocked or if you buy an unsubsidized phone it's six fifty seven fifty and eight fifty something to keep in mind too if you're on Verizon and you have an unlimited data plan that they don't offer anymore uh, they're trying to get people off of those plans and what they're doing to Verizon customers that want to upgrade to the new iPhone five. They're saying if you want it at the uh, subsidized price, you're going to have to ditch your unlimited plan and go with one of our new plans with the data caps. So if you want to keep your unlimited plan, you're going to have to buy the thing at full price. Something to keep in mind. So, uh, Unlimited data. Sprint right now is the one, the, the, the big carrier, the, the one of the big four that carries the iPhone that is offering unlimited data for the time being. We know that will change at some point. They always do. Sprint's coverage, it depends where you go. Uh, it gets better as time goes on, but it's its like any carrier. It's going to work good in certain places and not so good in other places. There's no carrier that works good in all places. So you always have to... Uh, if I were going to say, I'd say it's, be it's a toss-up between AT&T and Verizon. They're, they're, they're the, top, the, two, the top two. They own the most spectrum, so they can have the biggest, the best coverage in most places. But even those carriers will fail in some places. By the way, I'll explain that to you. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, a little, uh, that's a little sleight of hand, a little trickery. You're not really getting uh, 4G. In fact, uh, there's no real standard definition on 4G yet, but I think most would agree that 4G really means LTE. Your iPhone 4S does not have an LTE radio in it. It's basically getting what's known as HPA+, which is basically... Some would call it four and a half, uh, three and a half G, three and a half G. So you're not getting true 4G. That, that they just do that. Those of you who, if any of you got the iPhone 4S when it first came out, you'll notice that it used to say 3G, and then came an update that made it say 4G. So all that did is change what's on the screen. It didn't change. The, no, no, no software update can put a new radio into a phone. That's hardware. Yeah. So <laughs> it is what it is. As far as storage, I would say that it, it, it truly depends on how you plan to use your phone. If you're going to use your phone as an iPod or you plan to store a lot of uh, pictures and video as well as apps, then you might want to look at 32 or 64, depending on, on how big your music library is. But if you're just going to use it mostly for apps like I do, uh, the 16 gig is good enough. I use it and I've still got, I have I think 100, close to 130 apps on my phone. And I think I still have like 13 gigs of free space. So it, um, it's apps don't take up that much space. A few do, like uh, GPS apps that have maps that you can download. Those will take up a little more space. If, if you get a lot of books, and especially audio books, uh, those will take up a lot of room as well. Uh, the ones that are in a text format don't take up nearly as much room as, as an audio type of book. So if you have Reading Ally or something like that, those are all audio that will take a considerable amount more room. So those are all things that you should think about. And in general, I always say that you should, you should go for the best and highest capacity that you can reasonably afford at the time of purchase. You can't go wrong with that formula. In terms of processor speed between the, the 4S and the 5, as far as usage, I've played with them side by side, and truthfully, I don't notice that much of a difference. But in all fairness, I'm at the Apple store, I'm just kind of playing with it, swiping through things real fast, opening up a few apps. 
I, I don't do a whole lot of real data intensive uh, or processor intensive operations, but so far from what I've seen, I, I, I haven't noticed a huge difference. To me, they, they, they're, they're both pretty similar. They, the apps open up pretty much at a similar speed. Between the 4 and 4S, I did notice a difference. I, I went from the 4 to the 4S, and I did notice a difference there. So I would say if you have an iPhone 4S, unless you really like to have the newest, latest, and greatest thing, um, there's no real compelling reason to, to make the upgrade. There, there's one more thing I should mention. The iPhone 5, because it has a bigger screen, it can accommodate one extra row of apps on each page. So instead of 16 uh, uh, icons that you can have on a home page, now you can have 20. And folders, instead of 12 apps, can hold 16 apps. So um, that I'll be honest with you, that's probably the, the, the biggest uh, thing that would compel me to want to get it is because like, I could put more, I keep my apps in folders, and it would allow me to put four more folders of recently used apps on the front, uh, on the first home page. Yeah, so it's uh, that would that would be uh, that's that's probably one of the biggest things that you get with, with the uh, with the five over or the, the previous ones. If you've got a four or even a three GS, it's definitely a worthwhile upgrade. You you will notice the major improvement in speed and performance. So. Um, how many of you who have iPhones uh, have not updated yet to iOS 6? Oh, okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> I don't have to talk about the differences then, do you? <laughs> um, there are so many different types of apps uh, for the phone. Um, I could go over that kind of thing briefly, uh, but I want to kind of stay more with the topic of, of, of accessible phones in, in general. But there are apps for things like uh, money identifying, the look, tell, money reader, is is the best one out there? Costs nine ninety nine, and uh, works really nice. You just launch the app, hover the phone about six inches over any uh, dollar bill, and it will identify it to you within seconds. So that that's that's one of my favorites. Uh, another really good app, uh, and I'm surprised that it seems like a lot of people don't know about this yet. But for those of you who who write MTA, the Next Bus app is really nice because. You can find out the locations of buses near you, not based on when they're scheduled to arrive, but based on where the vehicle is actually located at the time. Wow. And I have to say, uh, if those of you who have iPhones know about the dock on the bottom of the screen where you can put icons that no matter what page you're on don't change, uh, the next bus app is one of the apps in my dock because I use it that often. What's that? I would love for I would love to have a where's my ride access. And for, and, and for that matter, it would be nice to have one where you can make reservations from it, too, and not have to sit on hold. We need to get on them for that. Apps that I use all the time. Uh, I love barcode scanning apps. Uh, for grocery shopping and things like that, it has really taken a lot of stress and eye strain out of the whole thing for me. Um, I am partially sighted. So before, and I still do use a video magnifier for a lot of things, but... Uh, I don't have to use a video magnifier nearly as much now. I know the layout of my grocery store pretty well, so I know generally where things are. So if I'm looking for specific products, I can pick up cans or boxes, and there's a little bit of a learning curve with barcode scanning because you kind of have to learn where barcodes tend to be, especially if you can't see at all. It's a little tricky, I will say. But generally speaking, like on cans, uh, if you feel where the label sort of overlaps, 
a lot of times, I'd say about 99% of the time, the barcode is near there, toward the bottom edge of the can. So you launch the app that I like. There's a lot of free apps out there, but the best one is called Digit Eyes, D-I-G-I-T-E-Y-E-S. Digit Eyes. It's a, by a company called Digital Miracles. It currently sells, if you want the full package, it sells for 19.95. but I understand now that you can also buy parts of it. Because besides barcode scanning, there's a feature where you could uh, print and record your own custom labels for things. So, um, yeah, it'll if it's if it's in the database, which a lot of them usually are, right. it'll come back and read me what that manufacturer barcode goes to. Okay. And one of the things they've recently added to Digitize is a more info button, uh, similar to how the um, ID Mate works where you hit this, activate this button, and it goes out on the Internet, and it gets information on this barcode. And a lot of times you can get cooking directions, you can get ingredients and nutritional facts about this product. And it, it makes grocery shopping a lot easier. The other nice thing with the, some of the, there's other free barcode apps, like uh, Amazon has one called Price Check. And I like Price Check not only for just reading barcodes, but mostly for checking prices on things. And this year, more than ever, uh, local dealers are getting very aggressive about wanting to match Amazon. So one thing that you can do, especially at Fry's Electronics, is you can go in there and pick up an item and scan it with this app and find out what Amazon charges for the item. And you can ask, you can ask them for a price check, to price match. And oftentimes they will price match it. And um, also the other thing I like is you can read user reviews because Amazon has, anybody who buys something from Amazon can submit a user review. And I find those to be very helpful, especially uh, I've used it when I bought a cordless phone. I wondered what the audio would be like, what the performance would be like, what people think. And it was really nice to right there while I'm in the aisle thinking about buying this phone, I can read these user reviews and find out uh, whether people liked it, whether people reported issues that I would find annoying or whether I'd find them good. No, no, it's it's the Amazon price check app. And one of the things you can find out once you've scanned something is get read their user reviews that are from Amazon uh, shoppers. They are working on an app for NLS and um, they keep saying it'll come out soon, but I haven't heard of an official date. So you would have to check with NLS, but yes, there is an NLS app that's supposed to be uh, coming out. In the meantime, uh, there, of course, is iBooks, which is uh, Apple's bookstore. There is uh, the Bookshare has an app. And so if you have a Bookshare account, you can get it. I think that is Bookshare's app. Isn't it, Read to go Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, you buy that app. I think it sells for $20. And here's the thing, and we'll talk about this later when we get to the Android part of this presentation. But... One big thing between the way Apple does things and Android does things is Apple doesn't let app developers have access to the voice, to this TTS in the, that comes built into the phone. So if an app wants to be able to read to you, they have to include an installation of a TTS, which most of the time they use the same one that Apple uses so that it's seamless to you. But because of that, they have to charge a licensing fee. With Android, apps are able to use the voice that's in the Android phone and that's why the the app for the Android phone is free it's kind of a, it's kind of a shame the way that Apple does things sometimes and, and there's a trade-off 
You know, there there are benefits to be gained from Apple's closed garden approach as opposed to Android's open approach, but then there's also risks with Android's approach. So anyway, um, they do have color identifiers, but I'll be honest with you, I've not been impressed with any of the color identifying apps on the iPhone. Um, The best app that I actually recommend for that is one called VizWiz. It's a free app, and what you do is you're actually taking a picture of something, and you can send it out to um, an automated engine, kind of similar to Omobi, if any of you have used that. Um, And you could also send it out to web workers. And these are people that I I don't quite know if they're volunteers or they're paid by the job or something like that, but they get the picture, you record a question about that picture, and they answer you. So for for identifying colors, I find that that works best because the human eye is still a little bit better at discerning colors than these apps. V-I-Z-W-I-Z. Yeah, and it's a free app. So it's really nice, and it's it's great for anybody who's blind and doesn't always have access to a sighted person. You've got a sighted, you've got access to, to a pair of eyes almost any time of the day. This app has also really helped me sometimes solving CAPTCHAs, just to let you know. I've taken a picture of it on the screen and asked, can you decipher this CAPTCHA for me? And they've been able to do it for me. I have a, enough vision that I can actually point to it. But I guess what I would do is I would try to sort of, uh, almost like what you would do with an LCR type of app, put the camera at the center of the screen, maybe back off, depending on the size of the screen, maybe six to eight inches or more, give or take, and take a picture of the screen. And if they can't see what it is, they'll tell you, zoom in more or go left or go right. A lot of times the 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 workers will kind of help you with that too. There are OCR apps. the best one that I've worked with is called Prismo, P-R-I-Z-M-O. It sells for $9.95, and there are a little bit of hoops you have to jump through pushing some buttons and things like that to make it work right. I wish they had a, a simpler interface, but I found that to be the most accurate. Uh, as far as really easy apps, there's one called Text... Uh, what is it called? Yeah, Zoom Reader. That one's put out by AI Squared. That one works okay, um, not as good as Prismo. Uh, the one I was thinking of is Saytext. And that one, when you activate that one, you put the phone on the page, and then you lift the phone slowly. And as soon as it detects the four edges of the page, so you want to do it in a place where you have contrast between the paper and the background, it'll beep at you, and you hold the phone still, it snaps a picture. And sometimes that does pretty good about reading what's on that page. It's really good for things like when you get things in the mail and you want to know what it is, where it comes from or who it's addressed to. It's great for little things like that. But truthfully, there's still a long way to go for OCR on, on iPhones. Uh, KNFB is supposed to be working on an app, and we have to wait for that one to come out to see uh, if it really does much better than what's already out there. Sendero is still, um, I, I checked, I met with Mike May actually uh, recently at our um, NFB State Convention, and they've run into a few little snags, but they are still working on the Seeing Eye app. Um, I was hoping to actually be able to present about that app today, but it's still not, uh, it's still not ready for prime time. Uh, Look Around is the one from them, and it's great for finding your nearest intersection and some points of interest, but... There's some other ones that, that do some other things that I like too. There's one called Ariadne GPS. It's my most favorite. Yes. Ariadne, A R I A D N E. 
that one costs, I think, $5. And that one is really good for address finding. Say you're walking down the street, uh, an unfamiliar street, and you're trying to find an address. Um, if you launch this app and turn on the monitor mode, every five to ten seconds, it checks a database and sends it your exact position, and it comes back with your nearest address. And I've used that quite successfully to find addresses in unfamiliar places. Uh, I've heard some people have had a lot of luck with MapQuest, which is free. Uh, there's one called MotionX Drive that people like as well. There's something that does something similar already out there. It's called My Way Light. It's put out by, is it Finland or one of those uh, countries in Europe, Northern Europe? Uh, their blind organization there puts it out. They have one called My Way Classic and My Way Light. My Way Light is a free app and it works just fine. And it lets you do that very thing where you can drop virtual breadcrumbs along a trail and then you can create a route and, then, and you can run that route backwards or forward. I think Apple released that a little too soon. They, uh, I think they should have waited on that a little bit. Um, they severed their ties with Google. Uh, Google used to power their old map application, and they've, they've had some problems with it. I think it will get better as time goes on, but uh, it's still not quite ready for prime time. It is a, it is a GPS type of app that lets you, uh, let's say you live in a complex or you go to a school that has a lot of buildings on a campus. Most GPS apps are not going to have that mapped. In other words, you're not going to be able to say, I want to go from building A to building H and have it develop a route for you automatically with turn by turn. So what with, with this kind of app is, you let's say you live in building A, and every day you go from building A to building H. You can have it to where you could drop breadcrumbs. You ever heard that story? Uh, I think it's Hansel and Gretel, where they drop the breadcrumbs. You can do the same kind of thing in the app, where when you launch it and you have it in that in that mode, every time you shake the phone, it drops a breadcrumb. And it numbers it, and then um, so, for example, at at a at a key point where maybe you have to make a turn to go to a different walkway, you would drop one of those breadcrumbs, and then when you get to Building H, you've built up that route. You name it what you want to name it, and then let's say you, when you're done, you want to get back to Building A. You can open up that route, and you can tell it that you want it to run backwards, and it'll start giving you the uh, it, it notifies you as you get closer to each breadcrumb. It vibrates and, and the voiceover will speak to you. And what is that app called? It's called My Way Light, L-I-T-E. You have to, I mean, no, 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 G, no GPS app is a substitute for good cane or, or guide dog skills. You have, to, you have to use your mobility skills to, to be able to navigate. But this kind of helps you. To, to become oriented, it's a it's a creating your own virtual landmarks that you could use. So, um, what I like to do before we get uh, too ahead of ourselves here and run out of time, um, Android uh, accessibility has really come a long way since last year, and um, some of you may be familiar with a man named Mike Arigo from St. Louis. He does some podcasts on Android. And he has graciously recorded a presentation for me to play for you guys. He's really big into Android, and he's going to talk to you and demonstrate to you the latest accessibility features of the latest version of Android. So I'm going to play that for you guys.
So, um, if it Android presentation to, November 2012, MP3, 8 of 24. If you need it to be louder or anything like that, let us know. And uh, hasn't started yet. <laughs> okay, get ready. Hello there, everybody. It's Mike Arrigo, and uh, welcome to this demonstration of the newest accessibility features of Android. Uh, thank you so much for having me back. I know I did the uh, presentation uh, last year for everybody. I do appreciate the opportunity to come back this year, even though I can't be with you there in California. Um, wanted to record this demonstration and show you what's new with Android accessibility, and it has come a long way. Those of you who heard the presentation last year, and if you didn't, that's okay, but you'll remember that uh, you had to use certain phones. You had to you know, make sure it had a navigation control and preferably a, a QWERTY keyboard and all this stuff. That's all in the past. Water under the bridge. The newest version of Android, Jelly Bean. Uh, they always name them uh, desserts. <laughs> so we had um, 1.5 was Cupcake, and then we had 1.6 Donut. Um, 2.0 slash 2.1 was Eclair. 2.2 uh, was Frozen Yogurt. 2.3 was Gingerbread. And then we had Android 3, which was just for tablets. That was Honeycomb. And then 4.0 was Ice Cream Sandwich. And now we're up to 4.1 slash 4.2, which are both called Jelly Bean. They started to introduce touchscreen accessibility in 4.0, and it has really come full circle in uh, 4.1 Jelly Bean. 4.2 has just been released for some devices. The main improvement that it has is um, magnification. So for speech, it's very similar. Suffice to say that there are now gestures, which I'm going to be showing you, that allow you to navigate your screen. And those of you who are familiar with using iOS will feel right at home with some of this because the basic ones are the same. You uh, swipe left and right, and you double-tap to activate something. What I'd like to do is, I don't have time to show you everything, of course, in, in the new Android, but what we'll do is I'll show you the tutorial that opens up when you first enable accessibility, and I'll also tell you how to do that on a new device out of the box. Then we'll look at just exploring kind of the settings application really fast with the new gestures. We'll look at the phone app and the text messaging app so you can see how the on-screen keyboard works, which is also now fully accessible out of the box. When you actually get a, a device with Android 4.1 out of the box, what you'll want to do on the setup screen is you put two fingers on the screen and just hold them there for about, oh, I think it's six or seven seconds. And what it will do is it'll tell you, you know, if you want to enable accessibility, continue to hold your fingers there for a few seconds. And when you do, it will enable the TalkBack screen reader along with all the other accessibility features such as Explore by Touch, which activates the gestures. And the first thing it will do is take you to this tutorial that I'm about to show you. And we'll go ahead and go through it so you can see the new gestures and how they work. But this is what you'll get on a new uh, device once you enable accessibility. Accessibility tutorial, lesson one. Exploring the screen. When Explore by Touch is turned on, you can touch the screen to learn what's under your finger. For example, the current screen contains app icons. Find one of them by touching the screen and sliding your finger around, showing items 1 to 10 of 50. And you get a little ding. That just means that it's done reading the uh, tutorial message. So here we are on a screen of icons, and uh, let's just slide our finger around and find one, like it says. Email. Good. Keep sliding your finger around the screen until you find at least one more icon. All right, so we'll find another one. Camera. You can also explore by swiping your finger left and right anywhere on the screen. Try quickly swiping from left to right to move to the next icon. All right, so we'll do a swipe to the right. Gallery. To activate something that you've explored, tap the screen twice. Explore until you find the settings icon. Then double tap anywhere on the screen to activate it. Okay, so um, let's just find settings. We can Email. explore. Oh. Oh. Calendar. 
Next button. Um, camera. Gallery. Well, I'll just swipe to the right. <laughs> camera. Email. Clock. Phone. People. Calendar. Exit button. Next button. Okay, now it goes back to the top. It wraps. Lesson one. Settings. You found the settings icon. Double tap anywhere on the screen to activate the icon. Okay, so we'll double tap. Clicked. To move to the next lesson, find the next button located near the bottom right corner of the screen, then double tap to activate it. All right, so let's find the next button, which is... Next button. There it is. Double tap. Calendar. Showing items 1 to 10 of 50. Now place two fingers on an item in the list and slide both fingers up. If you reach the top of the screen, lift your fingers, place them lower on the list, and continue sliding up. Okay, this is one difference between Android accessibility and how the iPhone does things. In a screen, if you swipe to the right with the iPhone, you'll continue to move down through the entire screen. The way Android works is, and I don't know if one's better than the other, they're just different. When you get to the bottom of a screen, what's physically on the screen, if you continue to swipe to the right, it wraps back to the top. So to move to the next screen, like in a list of contacts or your settings screen, you scroll the screen, which in some ways is what a sighted person would do. Because uh, so you're, in some ways you're using it more like a sighted person would do. To do that, we like it's telling us this is the scroll gesture. We you place two fingers on the screen, starting at the bottom, and we swipe up with the two fingers. You can also swipe in the opposite direction with two fingers to go the opposite way. So I'm going to put uh, two fingers on the screen and swipe from the bottom up. Showing items four to fourteen of fifty. And it says showing items you know, 4 to 14 or 50, so I'm going to slide up again. Now Okay, now it wants us to find another app on the screen, so downloads. we'll do that. Okay. You can also scroll an entire page by swiping your finger. To scroll to the next page, swipe right then left using a single motion. Try to scroll to the next page by swiping right then left. Okay, the gesture for two-finger swipe up or two-finger swipe down... That just scrolls the screen. If you slide your fingers from the very bottom of the screen to the very top, it's going to um, scroll quite a ways. Uh, if you only scroll a little bit, it may only scroll a few items. This gesture, swiping from right to left or left to right, goes the opposite way, scrolls the screen one page at a time. So let's go ahead and do that now. We'll swipe one finger to the right and to the left in one motion. Go read. Showing items 29 to 38 to 50. Explore the screen again to find an app in the current page. Okay. Advanced task, killer free. Swiping the opposite direction, left then right in a single motion. We'll move to the previous page. Try to scroll to the previous page by swiping left, then right. All right, so we'll do that, and that'll take us back to the previous page. Go read. Showing items 20 to 29 of 50. To move to the next lesson, find and activate the next button located near the bottom right corner of the screen. Okay, we have one more lesson in this tutorial, and it's got a lot of important things. Next button. So we'll find the next button, double tap it. By default, swiping left or right reads blocks of text all at once. You can also read through blocks of on-screen text by word or character. First, find the text that begins with the word this. All right, so we'll swipe to the right. Lesson three, reading. This is an example of a large block of text. You can move through this text at a specific reading level using swipe gestures, or read it all at once using touch gestures. This is the second paragraph. This is the third and final paragraph. Swipe down then up to change the reading level, then swipe right to move through this text. Next, you can start reading this block at a specific level by swiping down then up in a single motion. <laughs> Try swiping down then up to change the reading level, then swipe right to read through the text. Okay, uh, for those of you familiar with uh, the iPhone and iOS, this is very similar to what the rotor does. It allows you to control your reading level. Normally it's by item, just like it is with uh, voiceover, but if we swipe up and then down in one motion, or you can go down or up to go the opposite direction, we have some choices here. Read by paragraph. Read by paragraph. Read by word. Let's just go ahead and read by word a little bit. This is an example of a 
block of text. And then we can do by character also. Read by character, period, space, capital O, U, space, C. So that's really closed the gap with accessibility because now we can read any part of the screen and uh, we can read it by word or character or all that stuff. All right, I'm going to switch back to the default reading level. Default reading level. And I'm just going to tap uh, finish, button. finish on the bottom. Talk back settings. And we're back in this talk back settings. All right. So I'm going to back out of that. I just want to show you what I mean about navigating this. So I'm going to scroll this back down to the first part of the settings screen when you first come into it. Okay. Now, if I swipe to the right. Settings. Wireless and networks. Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. OFF checkbox. And that's not checked. Off. We could, if you double tap that, of course, it'll check it. Bluetooth. OFF checkbox. Not Bluetooth, checked. you can toggle that. Data usage. Data usage. More. more. Interface. Launcher. Lock screen. Themes. System. Device. Okay, now you notice that we swipe. Disabled. And it doesn't... Uh, Settings. What's well, disabled? Because the title up there is disabled. Now, so what we do is to go to the next screen, we take two fingers on the screen and we swipe from the bottom up. Showing items 5 to 16 of 31. And it says showing items 5 to 16 of 31. Now if we swipe to the right. Interface. Launcher. Lock screen. Themes. System. Device, sound, display. And what if we want to dispel one of those? Can we do that? Sure we can. If I go like uh, up and then down. Read by paragraph. Read by word. And then. Read by character. And now if we swipe to the right. Capital D, I, S, P, L, A, Y. So again, any part of the screen can be read or spelled or any of that. So let's go back to the default reading level. Default reading level. Okay. So that's navigating the screen. As you can see, it's, it's uh, fully accessible and that that's really come uh, in full circle for this. All right, let's go ahead and get out of settings. I'm going to press the back key. Home, home screen one. All right, now we're on my home screen, which I don't have anything on here except really my apps, my list of apps, which is an alphabetical list. What I want to do now is show you the uh, phone application, how that works. And we'll go ahead and call uh, time and temperature uh, here in uh, St. Louis. So I'm just going to find my uh, apps icon here. Apps. There we go. Let's double tap that. Home. Okay, so now. Apps, widgets, shop. Apps and widgets, those are the tabs at the top. One tap. Okay, this is an alphabetical list of all my apps. Now, the phone app is on the second page. So what we're going to do is swipe from right to left, and that will move us to page two of the apps. I have three pages. Apps, goggles. There we go, goggles. That's a nice app for image identification. All right, the phone should be in the middle of the screen, so I'm just going to tap in the middle of the screen here. Messaging. Messaging. People. People, okay, it should be right there. Let's just swipe to the right once. Phone. There we go. Double tap to open it. Clicked. Phone. Edit box. All right. And here we are in the phone app. Okay, the time and temperature number here is 3212522. So what you do here for this is you find the uh, numbers and then you double tap to activate them. This is a little inconsistent because for the keyboard, the on-screen keyboard, which I'll show you in a minute, it is touch typing. But for the, the touch tone keypad, it is finding it and double tapping. So three button. there's the three. Double tap it. Clicked. Now I can just swipe once to the left. Two button. And swipe to the left again. One button. Clicked. All right, there we go. Now swipe back to the right. We could also, of course, find this on the screen, but this is quicker since they're close together. Two button. There's the two. Clicked. Okay, now the five I'll find uh, by touch rather than Eight swiping. Five button. There's the five. Clicked. And find the two, two again. Clicked. And tap that. Clicked. And double tap that. Okay, now the dial button is down kind of toward the bottom right. Dial button. And there it is. So double tap that. Clicked. Now... You won't be able to hear the speech, but on the screen now, there's several checkboxes. There's a um, dial pad button where they display that, and there's one that says audio, which activates the speakerphone. So I will swipe to the right and double tap to activate that. Checked audio. 
cannot afford to take the points. Go to 45bucks.com or call traffic law counselors at 895-45. Okay. Keep your record clean for fees starting at 45 bucks. Time, 635. Temperature, 40. Today's high was 52. From the okay. Weather so, um, to hang this up, we can do it several ways. Um... I just pressed the power button. There's an accessibility item that says um, you can use the uh, power button to uh, end a call. You could also, of course, find or swipe to the end button and double tap that. That works just fine also. So that's the phone app, as you can see. Uh, fully accessible, no no hardware keyboard needed or anything like that. It works great. All right, let's back out of that. And I want to show you messaging. Actually, I want to show you a couple of ways to type on this. What we're going to do is uh, let's go back to apps again. Home screen one. Okay, and double tap uh, apps there. Okay, there's messaging. Let's go ahead and uh, double tap that. Okay, I don't really have anybody I want. I need to text at this point. So what I'll do is I'll start a new message, but I won't type in the two box. I'll just type in the message field, and then we'll just uh, we'll discard it. Let's swipe to the right. No conversations. New message. There's new message. Double tap that. And it says two. Um, so we're going to swipe to the right. All right. So if I double tap that, there's the on-screen keyboard, and I will just type this is a test message. And again, this is all out of the box. This is no, you know, no different uh, keyboard was installed or nothing like that. It's out of the box. So we'll just do a. Now, sometimes this keyboard's a little more picky. You have to get your finger right on top of the letter for it to type it. So if you lift your finger and you don't find that it's typed, just double tap the screen and it will insert the last item that it spoke. But it's mostly a touch typing. So this is A. This is a test message. There we are. Now, if we swipe to the right, it's disabled because we didn't enter a recipient. But if we swipe back to the left, this is a test message. And, of course, we could read that by word or character just like we did before. So there you go. On-screen keyboard, uh, fully accessible, no problem there at all. All right, I'm going to go ahead and discard this message. I'm going to press the menu key. Add subject. Insert Insert discard. Messaging disabled. Okay, so I do want to go back to a new message because I do want to show you the speech recognition on this. Messaging. No conversation. New message. Click. Messaging. Edit box. Edit box. Type message. Okay, we're back in the type message field. There we go. There is a microphone button on the bottom left. Now, if you're going to use this, you may want to cover up the speaker of your phone. Otherwise, the the phone speech can interfere with the speech recognition. But uh, this is a really cool feature. So if we find the microphone, you find it, and then just release your finger and say your text, and then uh, it'll give you a tone when it's no longer listening. So, Voice input. Okay, there we go. So, This is a demonstration of speech recognition, period.
this is a demonstration of speech recognition. Okay. So there we are. Send button disabled. Now if we um, read the text. Edit box. This is a demonstration of speech recognition. So there you go. It's dictated. And uh, the other thing about Android, the speech recognition software is stored on your device. So you do not need a data connection in order for that to work. It works uh, regardless. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and discard this message. There's one more thing I do want to show you with Android 4.1. It's, it's Just as another side note, a lot of other things that were not previously accessible are um, the built-in web browser is now fully accessible as well as uh, applications that do web views. Uh, if you really want a good web experience, install a Firefox for Android. Uh, what they have done with accessibility is amazing. Um, what I want to show you is the Google Voice Search. That's kind of Google's answer to Siri. So to do that, I first have to turn on my Wi-Fi connection. I mean, I could use cellular, I guess, but I'll go ahead and turn on my Wi-Fi. So I'm going to press the menu key. I'm back on my home screen. Wallpaper. Manage. System settings. Okay, system settings. Clicked. Settings. Disabled. Showing. Settings. Wi-Fi. Okay, it says off. I'm just going to double tap that to toggle it. Okay, now we'll back out of settings, and I'll give that a second to connect. The other thing I did want to uh, mention is there is a new feature in 4.1 also called Google Now, and if you enable it, as you use your device over time, it will learn things, such as where you travel and things like that, and it puts up these cards then on your home screen. So, for example, if you travel to work you know, after a couple of weeks, you might get up in the morning and you might have this card... Um, that says you may want to leave early to get to work because there's a traffic jam uh, on the route that you usually take. Over time, it'll learn, like, if you always check the sports scores, it will uh, automatically put those up for you. So that's another really cool feature. Okay, so what I need to do now, I just unlocked my device. Let's go back to apps, and let's go to page three because what I want to get to is the voice search. And... Uh, We'll just ask it a couple of things. It doesn't have as much of a personality as Siri, though there are apps for that if you want. It focuses more on searching, but it can do a lot of cool things. Um, let's see. Torch. Voice search. Voice search. There we go. All right. So we'll ask it a couple of things here. Google. It's still initializing. What is the current time? And I'll ask it one more thing. What happened in the St. Louis Rams game? The Rams and the 49ers ended in a 24-24 draw. Yep, it was a tie game. So there you go. You can just ask it questions. It'll give you the answer. Or if it can't answer it directly, it'll do a Google search for you. So that's um, in an overview of Android, the accessibility. As you can see, it's come a tremendously long way. So what about devices? There are several devices now that have Android 4.1 or later right out of the box. If you already have a phone and you're happy with that and you want to try Android in a tablet, Google now offers two tablets, the Nexus 7, which is a 7-inch tablet, and the new Nexus 10. Those would be a great thing to try, uh, especially the Nexus 7, which I'm actually thinking about getting myself. It would be good to have like on your nightstand to run like radio apps and, and things like that, or Skype would work really good with that. For phones, if you're on AT&T or T-Mobile, by far the best phone to get is Google's new uh, Nexus 4. It's a uh, unlocked phone. It comes with Android 4.2 out of the box. It's got a quad-core processor in it, and it's selling for $299 for the 8 gig and $349 for the 16 gig unlocked. 
So that's no contract, nothing like that from the Google Play Store. Some other ones, the Samsung Galaxy S3. That's a very high-end phone. It just got the uh, Jelly Bean update. The Galaxy Note 2, which is also a Samsung device. That's available on, I think, Verizon and Sprint and some other ones. So that has uh, Android 4.1 out of the box. The Samsung Galaxy S3 Mini, it's a mini version of the Galaxy S3. That has 4.1 out of the box, as well as another Samsung one, which I think is selling unlocked. Uh, the Samsung Galaxy Premier is another one. So those all have um, Android 4.1 out of the box. And again, you've got the tablets also. So that's a quick overview of it. And uh, as everybody can, I think, agree, no, nobody can really say anymore that Android is not a usable um, option for the blind. That's simply not true. The accessibility holes have really been sealed. Anyway, uh, appreciate everybody uh, listening to this and hope everybody enjoyed it. If anyone wants to contact me, I'll give you my email address. Uh, it's my ham radio call sign, which is uh, N0OXY. So it's N as in Nancy, uh, the number 0OXY at charter.net. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. So there you have it. And honestly, I'm strongly considering purchasing one of these uh, Google Nexus 4 phones. So next year, I will know a lot more about Android and be able to answer more specific questions. But I think Mike does a really good job covering the bases and showing the advancements that have happened with Android accessibility. So um, do you, I know... Do you have any information on Windows phones? Windows Phone at this time is still not accessible, even though the new Windows Phone 8 is not accessible, which is very disappointing. A lot of us were kind of hoping that since Microsoft seems to be trying to blend its mobile operating system with its desktop system, that, hey, maybe they might put Narrator in the phone, but no, that's not to be. Uh, it's At this point, it looks like Windows Phone 8 is just as inaccessible as Windows Phone 7, which is too bad because it's always nice to have choices, but for the time being, uh, the, the two top-of-the-line operating systems are iOS, which is Apple, and Android, which is Google. And as you just saw, uh, Google, in these latest versions of its operating system, has become uh, pretty comparable in accessibility to the iPhone. It's up to Microsoft whether they make it possible to do that. From what I understand, they, they're pretty locked down tight they might even be tighter than Apple is in terms of app developing and what they allow access to or not with their hardware. Hopefully Microsoft will realize that uh, if they're not going to build it into their product, they should at least give a third-party uh, vendor like, say, Freedom Scientific or somebody like that the opportunity to develop a screen reader for their device. Yep. So let's see. You know, hopefully, hopefully by this time when we do this again next year, I'll have better news about Windows Phone. But for the time being, I regret to say that it's not accessible. The the Nexus 4 that he was talking about comes in 8 gig or 16 gig. I don't know if it comes in bigger versions than that. Something to keep in mind about the Nexus 4. Uh, it's primarily, believe it or not, designed more to be a developer's phone than the average consumer's phone. And, the, and that's why it comes with the stock Android, you know, untampered with, if you will is so that app developers can use it to test out their apps. But it's great for us because it's very basic Android without all the overlays from companies on it. So we don't have to wait for the updates. When, when Google puts them out, 
the Nexus phones are the first ones to get it. Just to give you an idea that the, I'm sure you've all heard of the Galaxy, the Galaxy S3 right now. That's the top selling Android phone on the market. Well, that one is still running Android 4.0 ice cream sandwich. Um, I just read that this week, uh, T-Mobile started making the 4.1 Jelly Bean update available to its Galaxy S3s. That Who knows when the other carriers are going to do it. And by the way, that's the 4.1. And as you heard Mike say, they're already on 4.2, which is what the, what the uh, Nexus 4 already comes with pre-installed. So the, the appeal of buying the phones that way is, of course, you get them subsidized from the phone carriers. Um, so some people like that because it makes them more affordable. But you pay a price in that you wait for them to make the update available whenever they choose to. And there comes a point in time where they're putting out so many of these new devices that they simply stop supporting the older ones. Unlike uh, iOS, uh, any of you who have the iPhone 3GS know that you can still install iOS 6. Point, uh, you know, iOS 6 on it. Uh, try doing that with an Android phone that you bought in 2009. It's not going to happen. The hardware just simply doesn't keep up with it. So, uh, again, with these Nexus phones, and especially this Nexus 4, the, the specs on it are are really good. It's the kind of phone that's not going to be obsolete for a while. So I think it's it's a good purchase, and you can buy it unlocked directly from Google. T-Mobile will actually sell a subsidized version of that phone for uh, for one ninety nine with a two with a new two year contract. So if any of you have T-Mobile and you want to dabble in this and and you don't want to pay the the the, the three forty nine or whatever for the uh, for the for the Google unlocked one, uh, I prefer to go for unlocked. I've always preferred unlocked. Using the iPhone to me has been a little bit more of a compromise. Um, Verizon will not have the Nexus 4. The Nexus 4 is only a GSM phone, which means it only works with AT&T or T-Mobile. And for that matter, most of the phone carriers around the world. But Verizon and Sprint use a different standard called CDMA. And that is a little, that's more locked down, it's more restricted. In fact, uh, Verizon has... Um, the, the Samsung, the last, the last Nexus phone that was put out was made by Samsung, and it's called the Galaxy Nexus. So even though that's supposed to be a, 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 a untampered with device, Verizon still controls the updates that that phone gets. So it's always better to, to go with GSM. It's just freer, less restrictive. And for people like me, it's just the better way to go. I do. Uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, I do um, training for iPhones and, and various uh, portable assistive technology. I can be reached at area code 818-794-9554 or by email at prtblaccess at gmail.com. That's basically portable without the vowels, access at gmail.com. My name is Julian Vargas. Um, I know that we're uh, running a little late here, so I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. For any of you who need assistance getting back to the main ballroom for the main presentation, stay seated. We will have volunteers come get you. Otherwise, everybody else is free to go over there and uh, find your way. And thank you all for coming. Do you think you could email those links, uh, that presentation to people that signed up online? The presentation that I just played? Yes. Actually, this whole entire presentation was recorded by the folks at Airs LA. 
Um, if any of you haven't gone to their site yet, you should. They've got a lot of informative podcasts and, and programming of all different types. This will be uh, AIRSLA.org. Also, um, probably w- whenever they make it available, I will create a link on our Best in Tech webpage. That's www.bestintech.info. There will be links there. We have links there to archives from previous year's events. We will add the links to all the recordings made today, so all of you will be able to go back and listen to this later and take notes if you weren't able to. So just just remember www.bestintech.info. Thank you all for coming.